0: Net revenue, you know, net revenue is the most important thing because even with gross revenue, if you're getting product returns, that's not money you're ever going to see, you know, and that's another, that's another part of like a, a good evaluation of figuring out your, you know, the cost of goods and all your operational expenses, you know, and you know, it's, it's pretty, you know, you can do it in a spreadsheet. It's not, and you can make estimates on it i mean it's i think a lot of times people don't do it because they're scared of the complexity but you know i think that's how you can make more money per order that you have welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast where we focus on the people the products and the process of e-commerce selling today here's your host steven peterson
1: Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 383, Stephen Carl. Very, very cool guy. Um, 20 years in e-commerce. Let that sink in for a second. I mean, he said that to me uh, in this episode about something else with Amazon. And I was like, ooh, that really, it took a second for it to sink in. And then it really sank in. But 20 years he's been in the e-commerce business, mostly selling direct to consumer right? Now think about that, right? That's what we do. What Well, some of us do that. Most of us sell through Amazon, not so it's not really us selling directly to consumer. They are selling direct to consumer. But in his world, he was selling direct to consumer almost 20 years ago. You want to talk about experience, and what, what's very cool to me is the stuff that he's seen over the years. And he uses an example and says, you know, not like things come back. Like he said, uh, things tend to rhyme. So it's not like everything comes back into fashion, but things, there's a similarity that kind of happens again and again and again over time. And so when you pay attention to that, you can really learn something. The other big takeaway from this podcast episode for me is about, you know, that good habit of uh, metrics. He uses KPIs, key performance indicators, but figuring out what they are for you. And it's not just top line sales. In his case, he's saying it's net Sales, right? Because if you sell a million dollars and you get 17% returns on shoes like I do, now all of a sudden you're really only at $830,000. Well, that's a big difference if you're going to operate at a 10% margin, right? I mean, that's material. And so, but knowing that, and again, watching that over time, and then when you see an anomaly, you can figure out why and then fix that, right? Small fixes over time give you that continuity. So a really good example, somebody who knows what they're talking about, um, the 20 years experience. Love it. And he's yeah. younger than me. I don't like that. Let's get into podcast. Add an important member to your Amazon team's solutions for e-commerce. Yep, solutions for e-commerce. Karen Locker's team helps manage our Amazon account. We pay full price just like everybody else. We've been using it for a couple of years. And the reason is, is because of the results. We modify a lot of listings, especially in wholesale, because we're trying to enhance that listing, right? We're trying to help the brand. And so guess what? That's the type of service that we get from solutions for e-commerce. So it's solutions, the number four, e-commerce Dot com forward slash wholesale and you can get $50 off her service. Go try it. Give it a shot and say, hey, could you help me get this listing in line? And guess what? That allows you to go out and develop relationships with wholesalers. And then the work gets done by Karen and her team. I can't recommend it enough. We use it. Again, we pay full price. Solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash wholesale. Save 50 bucks. Get that important part of your team working for you. So you're looking for an advantage to help you woo a brand. Well, one of the tools that you can use is scope. You could check out their product and then check out their competitors and find the keywords their competitors are using and check out theirs and see that they're not. And then say, okay, I've got an idea. Let me do this. Let me enhance your brand. That's the thing you can bring to the marketplace. When you can enhance the brand, you're going to win that account. So try it. You get a free trial, but SellerLabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code Momentum and save 50 bucks. It's a free trial. Try it and see if you can enhance the brand. If you're ready to learn about wholesale, then I suggest Best from the Nest and Robin Johnson. Her unstoppable Amazon Academy will help you learn from basically even opening an account if you're brand new to Amazon, but then all the way to brand building. How do you, how do you enhance a brand? How do you have that conversation? There's 300 plus videos, probably more than that by now. So, very simple, as little as $49 a month, bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. That's it, bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. Check out the services that they offer. Check out some of the events that she hosts. You want to go walk around ASD? Check it out, bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. It's time to get the listings right. So what should you do? You should get your images right, right? So Amazing Freedom has a program to help you do that, and we've used them. It's phenomenal what they can do. you got to go look at this. So you go to amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos and take a look at the examples of what you can do with an image. You take and you give them some sample images, um, some simple images, and then what they do is they take and... um, insert them with lifestyle uh, photos and so all of a sudden you're going to see an example of what a plain image looks like and then what it can be enhanced to why is this a value to you well you're in the wholesale business and guess what you want to add value to the brand and this is just a simple way to do it they offer all those kinds of services scroll down to the bottom if you really want somebody to help really improve this service and you want to bring value to that brand because you want exclusivity the services uh, that they offer for um, listing enhancement will blow your mind. So again, it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos. Take a look at what you can do for your brand that you're trying to get. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is a pretty exciting uh, conversation that I'm looking forward to because again, it's technology in, in many ways. we, you know, those of us, most of us are Amazon sellers, and we're looking for other avenues to sell. But I find myself, this is Steve, me, Steve, talking, saying that I run into technology issues that just seem to happen with websites or um, Shopify stores and stuff that we have. Um, and nobody, I don't see a lot of people talking about that, and, and, and I'm very interested. And so this is one of the things that was very attractive about having um, Stephen Carl on. Welcome, Stephen.
0: Hello, Stephen. Um, Thanks so much for having me here.
1: Love the name, because he spells it right. <laughs> That's a big deal for me. Uh, no, I'm teasing. Um, but it, it's true. I mean, it, and we'll get into the the areas of the business that you focus on. But you're in, I mean, when uh, give me your, your elevator pitch. When somebody says, Steven, what do you do? Come on, tell me.
0: The elevator pitch is Needle Movement is like an outsourced e-commerce director for a brand. So we, it's a lot of companies focus on marketing and we do that but you know we're looking at it holistically at all the different factors and levers in your toolbox that can influence performance
1: yeah because it it isn't just the seo because that's what we all think it is right oh how you know here's the problem with having your own website Stephen. getting found right that's what everybody says mm-hmm. right how do you get found seo is complicated they keep changing it and they they come up with these crazy names of uh you know this i, I don't even know what they are i've already forgotten most of them you know penguin or whatever, they they, right. they change these things. And then everything you thought you had and you had it all set up goes away and then you got to start over again. But it is a lot more complicated than that, especially today. As I, we were having a pre-call, I talk about some of my podcasts, certain ones of them, I run into trouble because we use a lot of plugins on WordPress and they were great at the time. But if they don't keep up, and you forget about them. I mean, it's not like once you install it, it's not like I go back and say, ooh, how's that plugin work? I mean, you just forget about it. And then over the years, they stack and they don't keep up with each other. And then you start to have communication problems and your your site just slows down to a crawl. That kind of stuff, Nobody's unless you have somebody who's an IT dude who's you know nerdy right there sitting next to you, nobody's paying, at least in my world, nobody's paying uh-huh. attention to that stuff. And so that's what's one of the really attractive things about having somebody like you whose company... Talks about what what you say. There are ten areas of the business with e-commerce that you think about. Can you walk us through some of them?
0: Sure. Um, I guess for e-commerce, there are the website is the biggest piece, obviously. But I mean, to walk through the some items, you look at your website, you look at the traffic coming in um you look at the quality of the information that you have on the website and that's where it ties into branding you look at the checkout process and you know that shipping you know, it's the checkout the checkout from a ux perspective but also um from a, even a shipping cost perspective um so those are you know then you look at merchandising and the you know the selection within the website. You know, there's <laughs> the list can go on and on on
1: it. Well, but, but I, I think I mean this is your point: is that somebody if you're building a team, right? And we're and we're talking about not not Steve the little dink rinky dink seller, right? You're talking about you know 350 to 10 million dollar businesses, right? And especially as they get up over the probably approaching seven figures, it gets more complicated. And so some company in the old days, I mean, I think about my old brick and mortar days working in, um, I was in the newspaper business. We would have teams. We would have teams for that whole thing. Each one would have areas of responsibility. Marketing was the marketing department. The IT guy handled the IT. Our operations guys were separate. Um, So what you're saying is that a company like yours and there are other ones like that can help fill that in because it's not like you need all those people all the time. Is that the Is that a fair way to say it?
0: Correct. I think it's, you know, it goes along the lines of that saying, I think it's a Peter Drucker saying that that only that what can be measured can be improved, Hmm. you know, so you get into and there's, there's a lot of great, this year seems to be in, um, in the business book world. It's the year of the habit book. Like there's this book called atomic habits, atomic habit, right? It's by James clear. And there's another one called, I believe, The Power of Habit. Um, but a lot of it is cultivating, you know, so a good habit on your website, I mean, ultimately, with the all those departments and factors that are going to influence your performance, the number one thing is that you don't want to be surprised. You want to, like, how can you prevent it in the first place? Or how can you understand there's a problem when it's at, you know, you know, when it's at that small pebble stage, not when it's a big boulder.
1: Well, for example, let's go back to my example. If I'm seeing slowdown on my site, what's causing that? We used to describe it in the accounting world. I'm an accountant by trade was peeling back an onion, right? You would go layer by layer. And if I don't uh, think about this, I don't have the capacity. Um, you don't know me, and uh, the, everybody laugh. I'm not. I'm not the best marketing person or the best operational person per se. Right. So those pieces of the onion are I'm, I'm lost on. And so uh-huh. here, the problem what I thought it was half the time turns out to be something completely different. And I'm like, huh, right? Are you seeing that?
0: I guess you put together your hypothesis on what are the things that could be causing that issue that you're having, you know? So with, you know, you're, you're trying to find when you, when you see that drop in performance, it's, you know, you know, could it be the website, could it be the SEO not working as well? Um, and with your, like with a tool like Google analytics, for example, which most stores have, you're able to gauge around, like, you know, let's just see it. Let's just say your website, you look at your website and it takes six seconds to load. You know, then, you know, you can ascertain that that could be an issue. Hmm. Um, Another, I mean, another really underutilized resource with websites is customer surveys and interviews, you know, because we're so close to the game. And we're, you know, we're staring at the wall from an inch away. But when you start asking, you know, when you're trying to understand an issue, reaching out to some, of, some customers and seeing what their experience is can, you know, can open up your perspective on what it could be.
1: Hmm. I think as I sit and think about all these things, again, how do I, as an e-commerce seller, right? I'm, I'm sourcing product and I'm trying to, you know, to, in my uh-huh. case, ship it and all that kind of stuff. How do I get the time to pay attention to all these things? I mean, is there, do you guys think of it as a priority? I mean, there must be low-hanging fruit. When you take on a client, there must be uh-huh. easy, low-hanging fruit that you could just immediately go, ooh, we can improve his performance 5% just by doing the most common thing, right? I mean, is that is that kind of logical?
0: Yes. So I think that, yeah, so the, the secret sauce, and this is what any consultant or agency is going to do is they're going to ask you to open up your dashboards. So they're going to ask to see, you know, let's say on Shopify, to see a lot of Shopify reporting, to see Google analytics. Um, If you're using performance marketing, they want to see the Google ads dashboard. And the reason for that, and they're going to look at all of your channels. All they're doing is an audit. And that's the, you know, so by seeing that audit, they're going to the things that you're looking at every day that you might not notice—they're comparing it to other websites and other experiences they've had, and they're setting up. Oh, this is below best practice, hmm. you know. Or they could look at a vendor and say, "Oh, the vendor you're using for email. Well, you know, that's you know that's something a lot of other services use a different mechanism. Or they'll look at your email marketing and say." Well, it's doing okay, but, you know, I see a lot of opportunity with additional email life cycle, you know, lifecycle emails that you could generate to create additional revenue.
1: Life cycle email. I don't think I'm familiar with that term.
0: That would be shopping cart abandonment emails, ah. browse abandonment. Or if you have a customer that hasn't purchased in six months, you... You send them a series of emails to, I mean, welcome series is also a popular introductory email. Yeah, like
1: we use like a convert kit or you could use a click funnel, right? That kind of thing, right? Funneling them through. Okay. So that I'm familiar with. But you're saying, and I, I am familiar with the shopping cart abandonment thing where it's saying, hey, are you sure? Like when they put their mouse up to the left, right? That kind of thing. But so you can actually keep track of that stuff and then market back to them. That's what you're saying?
0: Correct. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can, well, with shopping cart abandonment, right, you can, you know, after they leave, after they go through some part of the funnel, you know, then you can send them a series of, of emails.
1: Okay. Okay. And so, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, so like, so was there something else specific that you were trying to glean outside of, I think the secret is the audit. And that the audit unlocks a lot of opportunities. That's the starting place, right? That's what you're saying. Okay. The brand can... And and I I think brands can... And companies should be doing audits themselves. Because if you're... You know, it's just that... I mean, a lot of times with companies... Like, I, I see this with marketing sometimes where... Like, in... Where there... Where not enough focus is on... There's always an area that's not focused on enough. So, for some companies... Just... You know, having KPIs, a few KPIs that you look at on a regular basis. Well,
1: well, then you just can't drop that. So give us what, what you're recommending because I agree with you. If, but uh-huh. you got to make it easy for me. I'm not – if you said <laughs> to me, Steve, hey – well, easy is relative. If you just said, hey, every three months, track these three, four things – and then, you know, let's review them. And then you'll see peaks and valleys. And then I assume somebody can go in and, and, and understand why there's a, a delta between, you know, what you expected and what really happened, right? And that's really the, the, the brilliance, right? Because if you could figure that out and if you can get that consistent, in theory, I, I probably lost sales because of something like that, right? I mean, is that, is that logical?
0: Or you just, right, you just get, okay, so, you know, you would have, I mean, everyone looks at revenue and that's the number one.
1: Okay, so revenue is number th- one.
0: I think conversion rates are are very a very good metric because if you're let's just say your conversion rate is below two percent. Okay, so I'm, stop
1: and explain what you mean by conversion rate. I think I understand, but I'm a so guy.
0: The, it would be the website the website's conversion rate.
1: So is this when somebody comes to my website and they see that I'm selling water bottles and they look at Steve's water bottles and they say, Oh, they're mm-hmm. beautiful and they click to purchase but then they then they abandon or they just come to the website and they're like, eh, not for me, and they move on. So is that an eyeball? And then the fact that they didn't buy means a zero conversion rate, correct? correct. Or is it or right. do they have to get to the shopping cart level? What which makes more sense to look at first?
0: A site visit. Okay, so That's a site visit. It's very easy to Right, so it's, it's people that have visited the website and the end conversion, and then the percentage of people that have purchased in the
1: end. Okay, and so you get the data from, like a Google Analytics will tell me how many people came to the website, and then my sales number would be the number of buyers. So that mathematics. And what, what's a good number there that you would be wanting to look for?
0: On conversion rates?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 2%. 2%. I think if you're, if you're below 2%, then I think if you're below 2%, one of the main culprits is branding. And when, I, and when we say branding, it means the copywriting that's on your website and also the, um, just the, the photography. Mm-hmm. And, and copywriting that just, you know, like uh, smart websites persuade people on copy there's a lot of psychology with why people buy products, you know, but that's, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent on that, but to answer the question on conversion rate, it's, if it's, I feel like if it's below two, you have to start digging into understanding why are 98 out of hundred people not purchasing from the website? What information am I not providing?
1: Because what, the problem was, is that we got them to the website, right? So what hmm. you're saying is Steve, you, you got found your ability though to convert them into paid customers is lacking and that's what you're saying it's copy uh photography right that kind of thing you know, i'm not telling the story is that i'm not selling the story is that is that what you're saying yes okay
0: it's storytelling definitely
1: hmm.
0: and how i do you, think this po- yeah well, I, mean, I, I was going to say
1: part- how do you get how do you get that how do you get that fixed
0: you i i think copywriters are and ed- easily accessible resource. I mean, you'd have to hire out a contractor to do that. You know, but I think we all have this experience where even, for, even with Needle Movement, I've recently had the humbling experience because I was an English major in college that why don't I hire a copywriter because, you know, I'm finding times where a professional who does that all day, all the time, can communicate that vision better. And copywriting is not just like um, a a romantic sentence or two, it is storytelling and it is mm. like un it's unveiling your branding. So it's unveiling like a lot of people with e-commerce these days, they want to feel good about their purchase. They want to have confidence in it, but they want to know the people behind it. Um, and they just want to understand, you know, the, the benefits of having the product.
1: You know, uh, there are a couple of things. One, you, you in, in, in our questionnaire kind of thing we did earlier, you talked about how Amazon and uh, direct-to-consumer selling are like siblings in e-commerce. I think that's such a beautiful way to explain it. It's just so, you're right, it's a parallel. Now, I think Amazon's advancing so much further than the other sibling, growing bigger, right? But that doesn't discount it. And the second thing I think about, so I use this example, and it, this is, I want people to go look up this on YouTube, It's called the Hercules Candy Company, H-E-R-C-U-L-E-S, Candy Company. It's a family that makes handmade chocolates and stuff like that, candy in East Syracuse, New York. Now, think about that. Do you know where East Syracuse is? I have no clue. It's east of Syracuse, right? It should be out of business. It was like a house that they were making it in, the basement, you know. They should be out of business because think about it. You know, all the other, you know, handheld things, what they did was they started telling their story. The, the youngest son graduates from college. He's a video major or something like that. They start telling their story, kind of as you're describing, on YouTube. And they do these sometimes hour-long sessions of them sitting there bantering back and forth as they're making candy. And they tell their story and this and that. And they've recently said that 43% of their sales are sold through YouTube. Now, they should be out of business,
0: so it's so yes there's there are some and you see now with with Instagram just launched a checkout feature too where you can shop directly from checkout you don't even have to go to the website so that also tells you the power of stories and branding where if you like that you like that image and that person so much that you don't even need to go to the website to buy the product or you're so compelled by that YouTube video um I I guess one other thing with, um, I think with copywriting and to really clarify what that means. Um, and there's, there's a good book, I think it's called, um, it's by, what was it, Robert Cialdini. Um, and he's, it's called Influence and the Psychology of Persuasion. And it's just, it's just like why, I mean, it talks about things like social proof and scarcity and just the, like marketing in, in some ways is like mind warfare you're trying people have so many options Hmm. and you're trying to convince them to spend time with you. So what you have to do is sometimes you have to get through some of those, those psychological hurdles that the consumer has on like, I don't have time to buy this. I already have, I already have, I already bought two pieces of clothing last week. Why do I need to get this? And you have to, you know, and so how you can break through those through the storytelling and the copywriting. like One of the reasons why um, mission-driven e-commerce, like sustainable products, for example, or Tom's, which was really one of the first mission-driven companies is, or you'll see with a company like Everlane, you know, who's doing transparency with factories, is they're trying to tell that story and saying, I'm, I'm gonna spend $75 for a pair of jeans because that helps the environment. And, They have a denim mill that does this so much cleaner than everyone else. So they've given you in that storytelling, they've given you their value proposition and the reason why, um, you don't need to shop anywhere else. So if you believe in their mission and, and we know, you know, with everything, internet is about tribes. So you get that message that, that, you know, and that company in Syracuse, they, they're, they have that tribe that believes in that story that's being told on YouTube
1: so does that mean so steve's water bottles so let's just say i'm not doing anything <laughs> sustainable right No, but i'm serious so because i think about I, I get what you're saying and so i always hear people oh we're going to give 10 percent away or we're going to give a yeah. they copy it you know you sell a pair of shoes i'm going to give away a pair of shoes right, right. that that actually becomes kind of icky now because it's like no those people did it for the right reasons you're just doing it to sell that's what i feel like it's like you're just doing mm-hmm. it to sell but how do i convey Steve's water bottles. I mean, what would you, you know, I'm not giving anything away. I'm a greedy capitalist pig, but uh, it's, 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 you know, it's BPA free or whatever. I mean, is that, that, is that the place you start? Is those kind of things, those, you know, the old features and benefits, but you focus on what the current trends of the market are?
0: I like to, I like to think that it goes back to the audience. So it's, it's really like there is a crowd that love sustainable products and that's why they're drawn to them. So there's going to be a crowd that's, so for Steve's water bottles, um, they say features and benefits has value to communicating the product, but also it's just what benefit does the person get? Why should they buy Steve's water bottles over the other options? What makes the product different and better for that customer? And I think that's where the, you know, and you could tell, You know, it could be. It could come down to the quality of the water. You know, you could talk about the stream where it comes from. You know, it could be you could introduce Steve's family or
1: you know Uh, the values of the
0: company.
1: (laughs) Well, no, that makes it more personal. I get it. No, all of a sudden when you just said with the family, now all of a sudden you're not dealing with some giant corporation because we're not, right? So it's just me, my wife, and my son. So that would be a good example. Okay, I get it. So there's a connection almost.
0: Right. It's the value proposition. Really? It it can be, you know, like, you know, you were talking about the, 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 uh, people getting sick of the 10% off and everyone copying Tom's and it's a valid point. It's just, um, you know, there's, you just have to find that you just have to find a group of people that are really passionate about the product. So it's what message do they need to get fired up about buying it and buying it again?
1: Hmm. And any company can do that.
0: Any entrepreneur can do that. I think with products, though, and I mean, this goes into Amazon and DTC. It's, you know, product sourcing is very important. And just, you know, finding that product that people are going to get very excited about. Um, and, you will you know, when you see it, you know it. Like, um, you know, I, I just had an experience where... Um, You know, I have a, I have a client who has a dress company and, you know, we were going to a, so my girlfriend and I were going to a holiday party and we said, oh, why don't you, why don't you try on this dress? It looks, it looks unique. And at that party, you know, six of my, you know, of my girlfriend's friends at the party, you know, asked her about the dress. Where did you get this dress? I like this dress so much. At the end of the party, someone else was wearing that dress too. So, I mean, that's how, but that's a viral reaction to, you know, it's a dress. There's a million dresses out there, but it's, it's finding some of those unique notes. Um, and that's what's good about, like, when you're sourcing, testing the reaction of the product. And this goes back to conversion rates, which is, you know, it's, is it, you know, is it the website that's not doing this? Is it because my plugin is busted or is it because my product isn't as powerful as I think it is.
1: And, and you can peel those back. So so again, so you're doing a checklist. Okay, websites performing to standards, right? Those standards exist out there somewhere. Then check, like plugins, check, not the issue, not the issue. Huh. Now you're, this, that's when it gets personal though, right? Because, hey, I, I created that website, Steven. You know, this is me. I've got my soul in it and it's not working. <laughs> I think people it's, and that's what's
0: that's what's hard for entrepreneurs because we all have to kind of we all have to confront that bias that we have and the pride you know which is it's like and it's you know like when we i mean i, I just think with products if we can you know if we can at a certain point in time move on from pro, from things from initiatives that don't work as well as intended I mean, it's it's that agility that makes you stronger as an entrepreneur in the long run, hmm. you know, because everyone's everyone screws up in this in this game. Nobody is perfect. And it's the companies that like when you get those iterations from version 1.0 to 2.0, to 3.0, it's not major screw up sometimes, but it's just, hey, I think this could be a little better from here. I mean, like, you know, when you look at Shark Tank or just a lot of things like they're just there really are solutions to problems that other people had with products, you know, so it's, so it's just trying to find like, instead of, you know, so it's, you know, how can you, you know, in a, a, you know, how can you confront that? Yeah. I don't think people should have to lose face for saying, Oh, I did this three months ago and it didn't work. We're going to move on and do something else
1: it's not an all or nothing you know i'm sitting here thinking about your previous experience which we really didn't get into which i do want to go into because i think it gives you you have experience and the ability to talk about these kind of things because you've been down the dot-com world right you were you were part of a company called cosmo k-o-z-m-o and i was reading the wiki on it and um man it sounded like it was a pretty big company back in the day so why don't you Correct. talk about that and then what your role was and what you learned from it that now you're applying to these because I think it gives you some credibility to be sitting there saying, you know, uh, hey, Steve, Steve, it's hard with two Steves, but it's Steve P. Um, hey, <laughs> Steve P., uh, you know, you got to look at this. And I know you're close to it, but here is an objective look to this because I've seen this before. Maybe does that kind of make sense?
0: Yes, um, definitely. So I, I have – a little over 20 years experience in e-commerce you know I had it you know, which is
1: crazy to think that e-commerce has been around for 20 years because those have. of us tight in Amazon world are like three or four or five years and we're like real work if you've been here five years you're like a like a you know an old dude in this world but not in e-commerce it's been around for 20 years
0: you know there and there's this saying that history doesn't necessarily re- repeat but it rhymes so it so it's where do you get those, you know, where do you see those um, those same tendencies? So you know, back in nineteen ninety eight, there was just a lot of enthusiasm about the the internet was at such a small penetration in America that um, the you know the venture you know the, the finance community was very enthusiastic about the prospects. Um, so that's what so I. I was an early employee at Cosmo.com, which the, in 1998, and I had I was fortunate to have a college friend who started it, and he was uh, he worked at Goldman Sachs before that, um, and he was a you know very very compelling character, um, you know really smart guy, but Cosmo's core concept was DVDs delivered to your door in under one hour, wow, um, and then we'd also you know and then also delivering Ben and Jerry's ice cream, so. You know, I remember on the, the core pitch to join this startup was, I remember him telling me, you know, wow, like our business is up 400% from last week. It's booming. I'm like, wow, 400% I have to join. And later I found out that the previous week there were three orders to the website. And then <laughs> this week there were 12 orders Whoa, let's celebrate. early lesson in, right. Early lesson in statistics and rocket ships and, and booms, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, that that concept of convenience and instant gratification.
1: So you bought into that. That was a vision he cast. You saw it. You're like, yeah, I could see this.
0: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it was, you know, and I think it, 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 it was done. So it's internet delivery. And then bicycle messengers in New York City, you know, would deliver the package. And just like I was talking about, you know, my experience at that holiday party with the dress, you know, I was employee number five. So at times I would, I would, there were, an order would come through on the website. And at times I would go on a bicycle and deliver it.
1: <laughs> That's so and, funny. And
0: I would see the look on that customer's face when nine minutes later, you know, I, you know, she got the DVDs and she got a ben, ben, a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream She was amazed and, you know, she was converted. She had that experience. She had that look in her eyes that she was going to come back again and again for orders.
1: What did that do to you? I want to pause there a second. But what did that do for you when you went back to the office? Oh, you know, Bob, look at what you wouldn't believe the reaction of. I mean, did that like was that like infectious?
0: For the oh for the the employees at Cosmo? Yeah, to, yeah. When you yeah. came
1: back you experienced it. So you could actually like you said, you saw it in her eyes. Was that like did you go back with like, you know, Pep in your step and just like, wow, we, we, we made a difference?
0: Exactly. Yeah, you, you, you feel like yes. So you're and everyone is having these experiences too. So you yeah, you feel like you're part of something special. And I think cause the value proposition was really unique at the time. You know, you know, but you know, that's why people caught on to it, and it was, I mean, at the, for the investor meetings, they would do something like, the investors would, at the beginning of the meeting, they would place an order on the website, and then, you know, 16 minutes later, someone would come with the actual package, so it made perfect sense, it was such a great investor's pitch, you know, and it's it's no surprise that the company was able to raise capital as a result, Um, but I guess maybe I could go further into that story which is you know started as an early employee and you know i you know within two so cosmo was running in was selling dvds and a little bit of food in 1998 and operating new york city within two years it was running in 10 cities and there were over 500 employees
1: looking back I mean, because the company ended up, you know, it didn't go out of business. So, I mean, it's kind of a good story. But looking back, was that a mistake? Was that an advantage? Because that's another issue that we have in our world, and our little Amazon world here, is over-expansion. Um, we run out of money. All of us run out of money because, uh, you know, it's a capital-intensive business. Um, what, looking back, what would you say?
0: Well, the, the company did close its doors um, in 2001. Okay. So there was there wasn't um there was an exuberance and I guess with overexpansion what happened with Cosmo is that it, it goes back to your business model. So there's you know at the time you know there was stories about how people would order a candy bar on cosmo.com because there was there was no order minimum at the time.
1: Oh, uh, okay.
0: Um and it was reputed these were not friends of the company, but there's no way you can make money delivering a candy bar that costs a dollar, and to do one-hour logistics through it, you know. So, so I think there were some great, you know. So that so the company expanded, um, and you know got a $60 million round from Amazon. So you know, so just you know soak that in for a moment that in 1998. Amazon invested in a one-hour delivery logistics company. That's funny. Wow. You know, because they wanted to see what was going on there. Um, and wow. right. I mean, that's so fascinating
1: it, to think about what you just said. It is soaking in because it's like in, in twenty-some years ago, they were looking at this model and, and evaluating it. And, and realizing probably it didn't work, hence the reason, you know, they didn't mm-hmm. launch the day, same-day delivery until recent, right, in a lot of cities. So, hmm, interesting.
0: Right, and I, and I think with, with Cosmo, so, I mean, what, you know, I mean, just to finish the Cosmo story, I mean, what, what happened was the, the stock market um, had a major crash in March of 2000. And Cosmo, at the same time, was preparing for an IPO. You know, so what happened at the time was the the plan, Cosmos plans for an IPO were delayed because of the market crash, but the reality was that IPO never happened and Cosmo ran out of money. And I guess the in 2001, but the I think one of the most visceral experiences that I had was seeing this company that had gone from 5 employees to me to 500 to 10 cities to Amazon part you know to Amazon investment and see those doors close and as entrepreneurs like you know we know that it's not always this Horatio Alger story of he worked the longest and the hardest and he had good luck and he was always successful that you know our you know our failures lead to our successes but having that experience of seeing those doors close and having my friends lose their jobs and have to look for something else. It was, it was heartbreaking at the time, but also looking at the business model and some of the things we could have done differently ultimately made me a better businessman. And with looking at my future experiences, I became more focused on how do we grow a company sustainably, how do we create more profitable outcomes and situations instead of, you know, let's build this business and spend some money and we'll figure out the business model later.
1: So it's not, you know, it's funny, I'm getting ready to go on another podcast for an accounting podcast. And we're going to talk about top line versus bottom line, right? And so it's not always top line only, right? In that venture world, right? It's top line, top line, top line, but that's not real. um, and, And that's what you're saying, right? I mean, there has to be, I love that word sustainable, right? That means a lot.
0: Yeah, I guess it's that there's well, evaluation doesn't, you know, valuations are always going to go up in the venture community with their investments, but you know, it's about net revenue. You know, net revenue is the most important thing because even with gross revenue, if you're getting product returns,
1: yeah, right. That's not
0: money you're ever going to see. Right. You know, and that's another that's another part of like a, a good evaluation of Figuring out your, you know, the cost of goods and all your operational expenses. You know, and, you know, it's, it's pretty, you know, you can do it in a spreadsheet. It's not, and you can make estimates on it. I mean, it's, I think a lot of times people don't do it because they're scared of the complexity. But, you know, I think that's how you can make more money per order that you have.
1: Well, you just said something, too, as I was sitting there thinking about that, right? If, if, so measuring and when your metrics, if you have a good conversion rate, yet you have a high return rate, means that that's another piece of your business that's broken. The conversion rate's working because that means your content's good. You're conveying the message, as you like to say, right? You're conveying your message. You're connecting with them. But then your product sucks, or you've got problems with what you size is usually an issue with shoes, or, you know, like uh, I wear a size 12, but not in a Nike. I have to go to a size 13 because they run small, right? And so if I order a 12, I'm unhappy. I just know it, right? And so that's not a good That's a, that's a bad thing, right? And so that's again another metric that you go down. So what what do you, I mean, most, most, I'm looking for outliers. The ones who are doing it right, how many metrics are they looking at and how frequently are they looking at them?
0: I would say the ones who are doing it right, you, sh- you should be looking at metrics a couple of times a week.
1: Oh, wow. Jesus, I was thinking it but was a couple times a year. At, it Holy shouldn't, smokes.
0: It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be a report, though. I think, it, I think it's like you have, to, you have to put yourself in a good habit of how to do it and how to make it easy. So there's some there's some websites there 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 are tools that you can have a dashboard that is easily accessible. You know, so there's there's tools where you could see like Shopify has a mobile app where you can see what my conversion rate is for the day, how many sales I've produced, you know, how much, you know, how returns have come through, what's my best selling product. But I, I would say to the number, I don't think it should be more than seven because that's that's where it starts turning into mishmash because you're you know, you you're looking at too many. There's a time it's just your I think your KPIs are really just a starting point to say, you know, hmm, you know, where it's like, you know, you wanna know you know, you wanna know if the engine isn't working, you know, hmm. and you wanna you wanna know that without having to receive an email from somebody else about it.
1: So it's like your car, like that's a good uh, analogy, right? With your car, you're looking at your temperature gauge. Maybe if your oil light comes on, okay, you know, those kind of things. Okay. All right. I love it. I, I think, I, as a matter of fact, I'm sitting here writing the title for this because it's, you real, with good habits, um, you can actually put yourself in a good position and consistency. I, I think that's the real, the real thing, as you're saying, a couple of days a week is consistency.
0: Correct. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, and I, I guess it's, I mean, it's also, you know, we as as entrepreneurs, we're so we're so busy because we're wearing so many hats. But, you know, to peel the onion off of busyness. You got to figure out why you're so busy and, you know, how, you know, how do you carve, you know, if you can if you can find some solutions that will save you time, you know, like for me, one of my solutions was taking off a lot of notifications on my iPhone because they weren't giving me enough value. You know, they were feeding me information that I, you know, I decided after a while that I didn't need as much. You know, but if you can, if you can carve out more time, um, because I do think that the you improve by by having a very, you, you need to have a pulse of the company you know, frequently, and I mean, on at least a weekly basis, I mean, there's, there's going to be weekly, monthly and annual times that you look at the business, you know, but again, it's like, we want to, we want to encounter problems before they're, before they really become big problems. And I think that's what ties into weaknesses. And, you know, being, you know, saying, you know, oh, I think we, you know, identifying things that should could be working better.
1: And the metrics would do that, right? You would see a dip and you'd be like, okay, what's causing that? Boom, then you're peeling that piece. And you're not throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater. It's a terrible phrase. But, but it, you're not. You're looking at, okay, this piece isn't working. Everything was working. This piece isn't. Now I'm focusing it. You know, I'm looking at some of your success stories and I'm mm-hmm. reading one that I think is a perfect example. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, um, they had, uh, I'm looking at Brooklyn Clothing. Brooklyn, okay, cloth. Brooklyn cloth Brooklyn cloth. and what I'm looking though is a short optimization project enhanced site speed and conversion rates quickly there's an example right slow site load times on mobile devices right. if you're not looking at that you're thinking oh my product sucks no it's not your product
0: so that is yeah and that's just a an example of you can use a tool called I think it's called think with Google say that again uh, but there's what was it think called? think with google.com has um google has a couple of cool mobile tools that you can use to to see how the website looks on mobile and also to do a measurement of site speed
1: well i like the sound of that so think with i'm going to try that um so that will allow you to see that stuff just isn't working. Is that what happens?
0: it gives you It will give you an estimate of the site speed of the uh, website, and it can tell you what how the plugins are contributing to the site speed.
1: And, and in that case, back to this uh, to this company, um, Brooklyn Cloth. mm-hmm literally you figured out that that was a big problem and what happened
0: so we we were looking at just the you know the the user experience of the website and then you know as a part of that checklist you know we saw consistently that the the shopify or you know we just did a few measurements and saw that site speed was a negative factor and Site speed on mobile was even higher than desktop, you know? So let's just say it's five seconds or it could be four seconds on desktop. And let's just say it's, you know, over seven seconds on mobile. Um, uh, so after we, after we saw that we changed our Shopify theme and reduced the site speed and, and now wait, we're but wait,
1: wait, just changing the theme improved your site speed.
0: Correct. That's crazy. Um, because I guess um, – and, and, you know, I, I think you can provide the analogy to, to Amazon. But on Shopify, there's a, a, a variety of different themes that make it easy for people to launch their own stores. And it's great because you can spend, I don't know, $350 and have something that looks pretty good online. You know, so we looked at – there was – you know, There's a variety of those themes, and we made a decision to switch that theme, which lowered the site speed by a couple of seconds. Part of that also was, it wasn't just the theme also, it was also looking at the plugins and how each plugin contributes to site speed.
1: How do you, because I've run into that trouble, can, we kind of led off the discussion that way. How do you, I mean, again, is this back to the checklist issue? If you start to see a site speed, if, if that's one of my KPIs, right, my metrics that I'm looking at, and then all of a sudden I see a dip in it, I could have caught my, my plug-in trouble. Is that likely?
0: Yes. Hmm. I, I also think, I mean, you know, to I think a lot of times it's not just one thing. Right. You know, you get this, you know, there's, there's a lot of contributing. I mean, that's what I typically find that there's not – you know um you know we want that growth hack that's going to unlock the key to, to I riches want a pill for,
1: to lose forty pounds. <laughs> just give me a pill to lose forty pounds <laughs> I'm looking for it I haven't found it. We
0: want the silver bullet really badly yeah um, it's just you know it's I, I think it's just it goes with that you know sustainable sustainable improvement is getting better every month so it's it's monitoring your stuff and when you become when you're aware of these things, like you're, if you're like when you're aware that site speed could hurt your performance, now you're going to look at it. When in the past you might have never looked at it, and you know even your branding, like when you become aware that branding can be that like superpower that drives up your conversion rate, you you perceive it differently and pay more attention to it. So I think it's just that by virtue of of looking at those KPIs and you know with Brooklyn Cloth, you know. Part of it was, you know, the site speed. And then the other part was having really good merchandise with um, collaborations. You know, where Brooklyn Cloth has um, collaborations with some, you know, some, uh, some DJs um, and is, is active in that music community. You know, so once fans of, of that group hear about Brooklyn Cloth doing a collaboration, they love it. And that kind of goes to the product sourcing and, you know, maybe, maybe those people wouldn't care about waiting eight seconds to, to download it, you know, but it's one thing. And I think it's, there's, you know, it's like there, it's a lot of little things I, I I always see as the key to optimization.
1: Hmm. Yeah. A lot of small pieces, but again, if you track it over time, you're looking for consistency. And when you see a dip, you can pull back and say, something's wrong. Let's figure out what it is. Instead yeah. of letting it compound. Because that's the other thing I think that happens is it compounds, right? So that that gets messed up and you don't notice it. And then, like you say, something else goes wrong. That makes it worse, right? And it, So then it's multiplied. And then you try to peel it back and you're like, oh, this, oh, it didn't have an impact. Well, it wasn't only that. It was all these other things. Hmm. When When you think about one of the things that I think that, that you also have an approach is your B2B experience. So you talk about that, that you've been able to take some of the B2B experience and then apply it to B2C. Can you talk a little bit about that some of the some of the maybe the, some of the top line stuff that you've seen that has helped?
0: Sure. You know, So for a very long time, until I started Needle Movement, I was a, a business to consumer marketer. And... That's where my strength was. And when you, when you are selling to companies or you're selling services, you are selling to different businesses. And uh, so the, the methods are a little bit different. You know, what I, but I, I do think with, you know, and, and why I'm really enjoying the conversation of Amazon versus direct to consumer marketing on Shopify even though those worlds don't always collide as much as we think, like you always learn something from someone else. Like I, I see this with music all the time, where you're mixing different styles of music, you know. And it's like, you know, Jay Z isn't, you know, a heavy metal guitar player, but he can put a heavy metal riff in a song and it will sound good, you know. Or you know, just that mix of of styles. So with B 2 B marketing, I think something I I learned was about the customer life cycle. So the customer life cycle is just saying that, you know, it's going into that psychology of how someone goes from not knowing you exist as a product marketer to purchasing your product repeatedly. And with B2B, I think because just the deals would be sometimes bigger for companies, they always would have it in their head that there are different stages to marketing. So there's an awareness stage of being knowing that, you know, knowing about your company. And then there's a consideration phase where they start thinking about where, you know, where your your company could be used for their situation. And then there's, you know, more of a then they get closer to final decisions where they're comparing other options and deciding if they're really gonna go with you as an option. And then then you make this then there's the final sale and then a a path to get to a repeat sale. But I think in B2C marketing, I've seen times where people see it as all home runs. Like you either have a sale or you don't have a sale. And that's why there's for about, with social media there's always been a little bit of a misunderstanding in B2C world because if Instagram is not producing sales immediately, then it doesn't work. You know, and I've, I've, been in, uh, I've been in meetings where expletives have been used for, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and a lot of sources. But what Instagram does really well is mention product awareness. It makes you, you know, it makes you aware of the product and gets you engaged with it for the first time. And that has a value. Even if, even if it doesn't lead to the sale immediately, it's starting that journey. So that's, so that's what I've really liked about Instagram. Um, about the B2B aspect because you, you kind of take that and you're like, yeah, you know, the, the marketing cycle is really, it's not just an instant sale, you know, I got to take steps to lead into that sale
1: i i sit in it and its it, the thing i'm already taken away from this interview and, and again i'm going back to this conversion thing it's like okay because the the main thing that i always hear i hear this from everyone you know the reason i sell on amazon because that's where the market is today right and we're all like okay what's next right we're all you know as the market tightens as amazon tightens and makes all kinds of changes outside of our control right, we right. all want to go off and do stuff on our own but what you always hear is oh you can't get found the SEO is hard and blah 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 and so as I sit and listen to you, though, you're like, okay, let's get past that. Let's get you found. But that's not still not good enough. Now you got to convert. And and to me, breaking down into these small, bite-sized pieces, as I look at it, you know, um, and again, and I'm not selling his service. Steve, doesn't, Steve P. does not benefit in any way um, other than if somebody hires you and they grow, then I'm a better person for it because I feel good that somebody got some help. That's all I want. But for me, the way you're breaking it down into segments and saying, okay, first, let's get you found. Okay. And and like you're saying, maybe the way to start the funnel is through Instagram because it's going to be that long-term top-of-mind awareness, as we used to call it in my world. Um, and, and you start doing that. And then you bring them in the funnel and they, they found you, but they still aren't buying. Okay, then we're going to work on that strategy. How do we convert that over? And there's usually these things. But uh Wait, we better keep an eye on these metrics over here to make sure that when they do find you, that they can see you because it's happening quickly. All these different strategies, to me, is exactly what it is. It's like a recipe, right? It's a recipe, all right. these different things. And um, this website, Needle Movement, you really should dig into it because what I'm seeing is just a whole bunch uh-huh. of data uh, or a whole bunch of segments, maybe that's the best way to say it, that you really need to be paying attention to in your business. And if you're not, then you need help. And that's when you hire a company like this. The other, the other site that I want to make sure that people don't miss, this Think with Google, is, is there's so much information here. Oh, my goodness. Um, and it really, is it one of the things that keeps you up, uh, up to date on a lot of what's going on?
0: I, I guess there's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of sources. I mean, I think to keep up. I mean, I you know I think I haven't used think with Google for that purpose, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some good resources.
1: Okay, okay. You're using it for just analysis and stuff like that, data analytics and measurement. Um, okay, I, I don't want to miss this. And one more thing, I want to make sure I get to is the Yummy.com. It was the company that bought the name Cosmo.com in 2013, hence the reason I thought it was a happier ending. I'm sure they paid (laughs) next to nothing for it. However, this is fascinating to me, and this is a good example. So you were in this business in 1998, 1998. This yummy.com got founded in 2002, yet they're still in business, and they offer 30-minute grocery delivery. 30 minutes, no traffic, no fines, just your groceries delivered in 30 minutes and it's all this is not amazon this is a third-party company in very specific cities looks like mostly california and they're still in business doing that competing against you know the giant machine of amazon and uh um, and now whole foods i guess offering delivery um so it can be done still to this day hey, do you think like you must have seen trends i mean When you Uh see where do you see e-commerce going? Maybe that's a maybe that's a good question to ask somebody who's knee deep in the world, has been knee deep in it for twenty years. Where do you see it going?
0: That is a great question. Um, I think it you know it goes into. I think it's easier. It's much easier for people to start stores.
1: Yeah, there's no barrier to entry, right? I mean, literally, you could you could do a Squarespace store with one product. Simple, even easier than Shopify.
0: Right. So, I mean, it it takes, but I think Shopify is a public company. So they've been very successful at getting, you know, I, you know, I think the tools will become more sophisticated with e-commerce. Um, video is becoming a huger, a larger and larger piece of the pie.
1: So what does that mean? Where, what part of video, I mean, just showing my product and showing you a digital video or showing it in a, uh, lifestyle context.
0: Um, So using it in a lifestyle context.
1: Okay. Okay. So Steve's water bottle, actually somebody drinking it after getting off their bicycle, sweating, you know, just ran a race or something like that. That's context, right? That's lifestyle context. Well, the
0: future, I mean, if you want to go 10 years down the road with e-commerce, I mean, is the future of e-commerce what they call the metaverse, which is the ready player one world, you know, from that movie, you know, where instead of going to stores, I can, you know, have an immersive experience And do some of my shopping, um, you know, without the constraints of having to go to a store to get it. But I can have some of that sensory experience. So, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that's thinking, you know, thinking way ahead on it. Um, You know, but I, I, you know, there's always going to be, I think with tools, it's, you know, there's going to be, you know, nicer looking tools. um, You know, where, like, advances with, like, augmented reality is affecting some like for home decor yeah is really great because now you can actually you can you know or even with a a, for a paint company you could picture that the way the wall was painted without you know virtually or through a tool
1: so so literally you put on the virtual headphones and I can look in my living room and I can see it instead of gray I can see it in blue or green correct
0: Correct. Or you, imagine, or, or you could imagine where, if that couch is going to fit into your room and how it's going to look. Hmm. You know, funny. I think for the future trends, too, I mean, something that – a really good place to look is, is keep track of what's going on in Asia. You know, I had um, – a couple years ago, I took a trip to Seoul, Korea, and I live in New York City. So being in New York City, I'm always seeing a lot of different things come here and a lot of the new advancements. And I was pretty shocked because I felt like New York was two years behind Seoul with some of the things that were happening there. You know, so like one fun experience I had was I went to a hologram concert where using, you know, a three-dimensional imagery, I could be about 20 feet away from the performer and it, could, it wasn't, didn't 100% look live, but, you know, it, it looked relatively realistic. And now we're seeing Roy Orbison and Amy Winehouse, they're talking about doing hologram tours inside of the U.S. You know, but there was some cool stuff I saw in Asia and in China, you know, with some of the machine learning and artificial intelligence that they're doing there, like it's, it's going to come to the States, you know, and we'll see who's, you know, you know which what comes what comes first?
1: How do, how do you see that? So how do you go out there? I mean, I'm not traveling to Seoul. Um, how do I how do I keep up on that? Is there so, is there some way that you recommend people can take a look at what's coming? Because I agree with you. I think you're spot on. Um, I've heard about their transportation system in China, for example. I have a friend that's going and he's like, Steve, it's nothing like what you've ever like. Yeah. Amtrak ride to New York City is nothing like what they're doing with their high speed trains. So how do you keep up on that?
0: A good place to look, um, you know, this will be another podcast. Um, okay. The, um, the Andreessen Horowitz podcast. So that's the, the VC firm that was started by Mark Andreessen, of Net, the person who started Netscape. Um, but they have – there's a podcast series and there's also – they're also very active book readers as well, um, and that's another way that they keep up with trends. But I just saw a, a, a good podcast about – education startups in China and how, you know, some of those things that could be coming to the States soon. All
1: right. I'll have a link to that in this episode dude. That's amazing. I I think, I think the fact, again, um, you know, my takeaway from this conversation is really going to be about building that benchmark with my KPIs, which are different than somebody else's, but then looking at them a couple of times a week, dude, that's more work. I don't need more work, but I get it. Um, because again, I have experience in this. My slowdown happened, and I didn't see it because it's happened over time. It piled on, and I should have caught it, and I never did, and so it it really does, uh, um, you know, like I said, kind of uh, build on each other, and then it just becomes worse and worse, and then just you can't go fix it with one thing as you're describing. Hmm. Okay, so um people have uh questions or want more information, what's the best way to get you? Is it your chat bot on needle movement or is there another way?
0: The chatbot on needle movement is perfect. Um also I love the chatbot. Also connect um you can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. That's okay.
1: Another. So LinkedIn and what's your uh name on LinkedIn? It
0: would be Stephen Carl C A R L.
1: Okay. All right. So the goal of this podcast is to help people who get stuck. And, um, I think, you know, as I sit and think again about this conversation, uh, they're stuck because stuff has compounded over time, right? They, they've not, they've not tracked, they've not looked at their, th- uh, their position over time and measured it. And then when it gets weird, they should stop and figure it out. So what's your advice, um, for somebody who's just completely stuck and they're like, Hey, I want to do these things, but I just don't know where to start. Can you give us a place to start?
0: Yes. I guess you would start on, well, I think, you know, you you start with looking at the presentation, you know, which products you're selling, you know, what's the, I think presentation is a big thing right now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I guess the, you know, like, uh, A place for inspiration is also um, finding role models within, you know, like, you know, sellers that you think are doing a great job. And don't pick the highest seller, but just pick ones that you're like, you know, you see what they're doing and you think they're doing good stuff. And then, you know, I think you can always learn a few tricks just from how people, you know, present, you know, are presenting. You know, and it could be a product in the same category. It could be something that's a little bit different, but ones that you have a lot of confidence in.
1: And then you emulate them in, in some way, correct?
0: Right. Hmm. But just, you know, take a hard look at it and you'll, you'll find a couple of things that you're probably not doing.
1: You know, that's, again, we're back to that ego and the pain as an entrepreneur. That means I got to say I'm wrong, Stephen. That's not good. I'd never like to say It that. is good. Well, I, I get it. I just don't like it. <laughs> you could relate. Now, it, it's fair. And I, I think you're right. I mean, why are they an outlier? And I'm not. I, I mean, there's, if you can figure that out, and then you can, you know, and take the best of that, um, to me, it's a win. So, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, again, it's needlemovement.com, needlemovement.com. And uh, Stephen Carlman, I, I, I thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success.
0: Thank you so much, Stephen. I really appreciate and, and love the show.
1: Great guy, uh, great company. Go check out that Needle Movement site. Um, a lot of cool things, and there's some great uh, success stories. Um, and I, I think, again, you go out and you look at a company that's doing it right. He gives you some examples of it. What, what are they doing that you're not doing that you could do better? That's the way to learn, right? Just look at the the, the outliers, um, not necessarily the top one because they might have giant teams. Okay, you don't have t- giant teams, right? So what would it look like for you? I think that's valuable. I think the other thing, um, again, that he mentioned, would think with Google. There's a ton of good information out there, um, and the the last one is looking over to Asia. And, and I, again, I think about uh, Andy Slamets talks about the trains that he goes over there, and he's like, you wouldn't believe how— you know, just efficient their systems are. Um, looking at those trends and then having them come back and apply here. And if you could figure that out and be ahead of the curve, I think that's a huge advantage. So, ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the E Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like
1: us on iTunes.